All right, so we take a little pivot on this episode. We actually want to provide you some advice and counsel to all of our listeners. You've been so fantastic to us. We're providing you Cameron Helmuth, who's a financial advisor specifically in the orthopedic space. He spent some real quality time going over tax strategies, some passive income sources and strategies for your side hustle income. It's really a great idea about coordination of a trusted advisory team. I really like his message. We're happy that we could give it to you. You're going to enjoy it. Get out a piece of paper and a pencil. Hashtag follow the fro. So what happens when you come on the Pitch Pro from the Ortho Show? Well, you can ask Kevin Rocco from BioRes. Three weeks later after coming on our show, he's FDA cleared for his device and next thing you know, he's at the AOSSM Anna meeting with us in Nashville, and he wins the ACE Innovative Medical Device Award. That's what we're talking about. Matthew Ray Scott, Vin Dasa, Joe Mullings in the fro, checking out what you bring to the show. We give you analysis. We break it down. We give you advice. Who's up next? The Pitch Pro from the Ortho Show podcast. From medical media, this is The Ortho Show. Hello world, it's your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Scott Sigmund, here to host another episode of The Ortho Show podcast, where we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic world. Today is no exception, but we're going to pivot just a little bit. Instead of talking to some famous orthopedic surgeons, we're going to provide some famous orthopedic financial advice from Cameron Helmuth, who is a financial advisor, host of the Dr. Eyes Only podcast, a competition barbecue pit master, which we will spend some time talking about from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Cameron, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you so much, Dr. Sigmund, for having me on. I'm excited to be here. No, it's, it's, uh, it is great to have you on. So how do we make this connection? This is like the big LinkedIn world that we live in, right? It is. I mean, it's about relationships and finding people that stimulate you and then you develop connections, right? That's basically how we found each other. We did. So I think it probably happened through uh, Matthew Ray Scott, I think was probably our mutual connection as, as is he for most people, right? In the LinkedIn world. So I was working on an ebook and I said, man, who does who does Matthew look up to or who does he follow and seek advice from? Because I want to learn from that guy as far as input for my ebook. So I hit you up and I said, hey, Dr. Sigmund, I'm writing a book. I want your opinion. Uh, we had a really good phone call and uh, magic since then. So it was awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. We should definitely spend some time talking about the book too. Uh, but I think what we want to do for our listeners, which is kind of interesting, this is sort of like a service call, right? We're going to uh, we're going to really try and provide some some real trusted advice here. So if anybody wants to grab their pen and paper, now's a good time. And uh, and we're going to just go through a few of the strategies that Cameron provides you because you really do try to focus on orthopedic surgeons. Is that correct? Yeah. So our entire firm is a physician focused firm, which is kind of cool. But what we've developed inside of it is just little practice groups. So I've just found a natural affinity to working with my ortho and neuro clients. Uh, and again, to Matthew Ray Scott's uh, uh, credit, I just decided to double down. I figured, you know what, I'm going to go to the people that I care most about and who I work the best with. And that's who I'm trying to build my practice with. Well, the coolest people on the planet are orthopedic well, surgeons. Duh. So like, that's, why that's why I picked that, ortho. Right? <laughs> exactly. Duh. duh. Exactly. Yeah, I love <laughs> orthopedics, man. 
everything about it. Yeah. Yeah, we all do. Um, all right. So let's jump on in here. Let's uh, let's start with the first topic and then we'll just run with it. Sure. Uh, so how about evaluating and implementing alternative investment strategies? Yes. So pretty common, obviously, as you guys get into practice and as you progress through your careers, these opportunities just come flying at you, right? Um, the, the easiest one, probably the most popular one is the surgery center. I think that's kind of a no brainer. Uh, but the fact of the matter is we've found in the investment world kind of an eerie statistic that starting in like 2015, fewer and fewer companies were going uh, public. Companies, the, the private equity world is running a lot of very, very uh, high quality businesses. And the question is, how as an orthopedic surgeon do you get to it? You understand, you know, in that world, you get a lot more control, still some red tape, but less so than going public. So the first thing that we like to do is just help people kind of, you know, we always start with like a smell test, right? So if, if one of my surgeons brings me a deal, the first thing I say is, uh, who brought it to you and how do you find it? And if it's too good to be true, it probably is, right? Then we kind of use a three-step process just to review the deal. So the first thing I want to know is where did you actually find it? Um, was it your buddy from undergrad or like a friend of the family? Cause that gets my antennas up. But if it's a trusted colleague or distributor or somebody that you really trust, that's, that's the ones that I'm going to really focus more on. Everybody wants to sell surgeons something, right? So getting an idea of where that came from and the intention behind it, that's step number one for me. Um, go ahead. Yeah. So, so that's interesting that you say that, right? Cause you know, orthopedic surgeons, they do pretty well. Yep. Everybody assumes they've got some cash in their pocket to make investments. And we get, we get cold called all the time on yeah. various things, whether it's a new athletic watch, you know, or it's, you know, some new pain device, sure. you know, Oh, come on in on the series B, the series C or whatever it is. Just, just give us 30 grand and, you know, and we'll help you out. And I think more often than not, it can be very difficult to be able to see through those deals and really decide whether or not it's something that's worthwhile investing in. Yeah. We always talk about, listen, is it going to add or subtract from what your primary objective is with your money? I think that it's easy when you're talking things like a surgery center or something you're consulting in, something that you really have your hands in every day and that you can conceive like, what is this going to do for the, the orthopedic industry? Uh, but a good example, I had an extremely smart orthopedic surgeon, 30 year veteran come to me and he said, Hey, pretty good opportunity to invest in a, a family friend's nursery, meaning like plants and trees. I said, doc, what do you know about running a nursery? He's like, well, nothing. I'm like, why are we talking about this then? But I'll do the due diligence. Um, didn't work out, of course. And we'll talk a little more about that. But that's the second step for me is let's get in the weeds, right? Like you got to do your due diligence on the project. 100%. I think you brought up a really valid point. And that's something that's always been important for me in any investment that I make. And that is, I know for sure I am my best investment. Yep. So if it's something that I'm familiar with and I'm going to be a part of actively, then that's a real different conversation than just randomly get writing a check to somebody for, you know, the next greatest thing. Absolutely. And and for me it's all about diversification too, right? So you need the investment diversification. We'll talk later, but income diversification is key too. If if you can find ways to leverage your money that isn't reliant specifically on your clinical activities, that's a win-win-win in my book. So that second step of getting into the weeds, like this is my world. I don't ever expect my surgeons to run through the, um, you know, the prospectus and all the ins and outs, the financials, the management team, but you have to know that stuff. And if you don't, then you can't get to the third step, which is 
talk to the people running it and ask the hard questions. I look forward to those conversations. Um, my surgeons normally don't, but I can be the jerk. I can ask the really hard questions because I'm looking out for my, my client's best interest. And if they get defensive or if they don't have well-rounded answers to the questions that I have, that's foreshadowing. That's to me, that's, that's a, an early indicator of problems to come. All right. What's number three in that implementation strategy? It's implementation. So then it's the question of where does it play into your big picture, right? I think so many people just assume, and and I think most surgeons are familiar with kind of the uh, the big upside, the future gratification, like there's stuff coming down the road. But what what most surgeons don't understand is there are some opportunities that are available that are more accessible, more uh, liquid, and before for a long time, these weren't available for anybody less than like one to 5 million investing into these strategies. You can get into these things for a hundred grand nowadays. So just again, implement it, uh, reallocate the rest of your portfolio for it, but just make sure, is it the future gratification that we're going after, or is it a way that we can diversify today and also have some benefit today? You don't have to always wait for the future gratification. So to be clear, are you providing investment opportunities and alternative strategies for your clients or are, are you just reviewing passively what they bring to you? So both. you're actively giving them both. Okay, excellent. Absolutely. So, so, so throw us a pearl here, dude. What's like number one on the list right now that's really cool? Okay, full disclosure, because this is my world. This is not a recommendation to buy. This is not anything. So uh, a good example of some companies. So you know, you're very familiar and most orthopedic surgeons are in a lot of these things that are, you know, primary investments, or let's say they're in the the seed stages, right? Big upside. There are companies out there in the private capital world, a good example of something called like AMG Pantheon, right? This is a multi, multi, multi multi-billion dollar working with institutional level pension funds. These are now accessible to regular accredited investors, which has for the longest time been unreal and nothing you could ever access before. But the thing is, they've gone through the growing pains of the seed stages. You then can come into the later years once they're already producing revenue and you get to participate. That's a pretty sweet gig. But full disclosure, that was not a recommendation to buy. You have to evaluate all the ups and downs. Um, but that's one right now that in the private capital world, um, that's that's pretty attractive. All right. Very cool. Okay. Compliance people, we're, <laughs> we're listening to you. We're doing a good job. That's here. right. Leave us alone, lawyers. Okay, so here's something that's near and dear to my heart because I do a lot of consulting work. Yep. And so, you know, for us orthopedic surgeons or, or physicians out there that do consulting work, it's typically 1099. We're not employees. There's no taxes coming out of it. It looks great. You get this big check. You go out and you buy yourself a fancy car. And then all of a sudden, Uncle Sam says, well, you owe us 50% of that money and you didn't send it in. So give us some, some uh, passive income strategies to sort of leverage that 1099 royalty side hustle type money. Love it. So frankly, this this creates some of the best opportunities for planning. And that's one of my favorite things to work with my orthopedic surgeons on. Uh, you mentioned it. I mean, locums work, consulting, whatever the case is. The first thing that I want to make very clear is that income diversification is a very high priority for any of our surgeons we work with. You know, the if anything came out of the COVID pandemic, it was a testament that even physicians are not bulletproof when it comes to economic like you just can never foresee what could happen. So when I had surgeons that were strictly relying on their clinical activities, um, they were in a world of hurt. So we talk about that more in the ebook. But the first thing when I look at this as a 1099 uh, surgeon is the, the retirement plan options. 
the coordination strategy that you have to work. If you are a private practice employed by a hospital, whatever the case is, coordinating that and also fully leveraging the 1099 income that you have coming in, that is a really fickle beast. But if you can do it correctly, there is a lot of upside. So good example Uh, Most people have heard of things like simple IRAs or SEP IRAs, right? These are pretty common, just like they say they're simple, like very straightforward. The downside is while they let you put some money away, that also disqualifies surgeons from one of the best saving strategies they have called a backdoor Roth IRA strategy. So that's a little known fact. Most people say, number one, doc, you make too much money. You can't do a Roth IRA. That's false. Just because you make a lot of money does not instantly disqualify you from a backdoor Roth. And two, if you have either of those other retirement plan options, you cannot do a Roth IRA on the, on the, with the backdoor strategy. So it kind of, it limits your savings ability up front and it shuts that door off. Like that's a, that's a big strategy. Um, so we start leveraging things like individual or solo 401ks. That's a very easy change from like a SEP IRA, let's say, to these solo 401ks that instantly opens up that funding path to your backdoor Roth IRA, and you have the propensity to save even more, uh, in some cases, three, four times as much as you could in like a simple. So I think a lot of surgeons just default to it's easy, let's just keep it that way, but you could be leaving a lot of money on the table. All right, so dumb it down, Cameron. Okay, we're orthopedic surgeons. We're not that smart. We need some help with this financial stuff. So, so basically, as a ten ninety nine guy, yep. you can take this. You have extra income aside from your clinical income. Correct. You can then set up a solo four hundred one k, which you can then run money through too, yep. and then you can set up a, a Roth IRA. Is there limitations on the amount of money or income into a solo four hundred one k? How does that work? Yep, great point. Thank you for for reminding me to uh, to take a lower level. So here's how I look at it. The amounts that the surgeon can put away personally, and that's just called like deferrals, that amount stays the same whether you have a solo 401k, you have stuff through your practice, whatever the case is. Where it gets really attractive is if you have, let's say if you're you're employed by a hospital system, but you also have 1099 consulting income, each of those individual plans have a maximum amount that they can do. And that's double what most people assume that you can. So right now that limit is 58,000 for one plan. And you could do another, if those two are unrelated completely, you could put another $58,000 away as a business owner. And right now I, I see that every day. That's a missed opportunity that a lot of surgeons just don't understand. And that's real money. That's 20 grand of taxes that you get to defer just by having that extra vehicle open. Yeah, I mean, actually, you know, a fifty-eight grand compounded over time. I mean, that's that's a really nice investment yeah. to yourself, where you're trying to, you know, to maximize your tax efficiency and your long-term strategies. So, I think that's a real pearl out there for our listeners. If you've got, you know, a retirement plan, one place you can set up another retirement plan that's separate, and there's some significant strategy there. So, I think that that's fantastic. So, talking about taxes, right? Yep. I mean. Who the hell knows what the hell's going on here right now? <laughs> if you right? know, I mean, tell me. Tell me, Dr. Sigmund. Right. I mean, Joe Manchin, keep going, buddy. Yep. He's our guy in the Senate, right, uh, who's sort of preventing all this crazy stuff. But yeah. I think it's so hard to plan when you don't really know what the strategy is going to be six months from now. But, uh, you know, give us some proactive tax planning strategies that you're offering to your clients at this point 
to sort of help out? Yeah. So for us, we always just want to focus on control what you can control, right? We have no idea what the heck they're going to sign into liter- like litigate uh, legislation, but let's at least do what we can today, which is let's look at the hypotheticals that are on the table. Because here's the scary part. They could take this up to the ninth hour and we basically have 60 days to make some pretty big decisions. And it's a pretty stressful situation. Here's a couple of the biggest things I'm looking at. So capital gains, if the taxes are doubled, I mean, we could be seeing uh, outside of, frankly, around the Great Depression era, this could be the largest capital gains tax rate in history. And for anyone out there not understanding what that is, that's just taxes you would pay. A good example, simple one is you buy Apple today, you sell it a year from now, whatever that growth is between what you paid and what you sell it for, you'd pay capital gains on it. Today, it's very uh, preferential tax treatment. It's only about 20%. They're proposing doubling that. So where that really hurts orthopedic surgeons is let's assume you have a surgery center, you have a private practice, you have that uh, private investment that we talked about that's done so well. If you have anything in your purview in these next four years that you might think of selling, you would be losing 20 plus percent just to Uncle Sam by either waiting. So you have to wait or you have to decide, do I pull the trigger now and and just bite the bullet? So that's one yeah, easy one. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's hard. It's a it's a gamble. I mean, there's no guarantees one way or the other. I mean, it, I guess, again, the good news is there's a sort of a stall in the Senate right now, yep. uh, which will hopefully get us through at least through 2021. Uh, and then we worry about it again in 2022. <laughs> hopefully it's not retroactive. They don't typically do that. That's very so rare. That's, yeah. that's an uprising. But but what I'm telling people now is let's do one of two things. Either one, uh, let's take full advantage. Like when the market does cooperate, do some things like loss harvesting, which basically means if you have these gains sitting out there that one day you want to realize, if the market gives you the potential to take losses today, and then you can just basically negate the two where that's it's a tax neutral situation for you, that takes some chips off the table. The other thing is just start start becoming comfortable with the fact that you might have to set aside maybe a bucket of money or just like a okay amount of money that you're willing to pay capital gains today on to forego that hit down the road. And I've got a story in a minute here of just like some creative planning that we've done to help a surgeon um, mitigate a lot of those, those uh, issues. Yeah, that, no, that, that's terrific. So I got a question for you, Cameron. Yep. Um, do you want to do your own ACL surgery or rotator cuff surgery? <laughs> I, uh, no, I'm not interested in doing that on myself. All right. But I'm assuming that you would probably want an expert orthopedic surgeon to give you guidance as to how to do that. I would prefer a specialist. Yes, sir. All right. So the same thing goes for me. And so as I coordinate my financial activities, you know, the last thing I want to do is have to make a decision as to, you know, what type of accounting move I should make or what type of long-term financial investment. So I know that one of your strategies, which I really like a lot, which is the coordination of a a trusted advisory team where you're the CEO or the quarterback of the family uh, financial system. So tell us about that because I think that's really important. Yeah. To your point, I think in, in general, every physician, but essentially orthopedic surgeons, I feel strongly that you do need a specialist and not a generalist. Again, uh, to your terminology, would you rather work with somebody that does uh, one uh, ACL repair a quarter, or would you rather it be somebody who sees it every day, every week? So you need a good team around you, right? Like the, that quote, if, if you need, you cannot be the smartest person in the room, you need to have people around you that you trust. 
Here's the problem. What good does it do if you have all these smart people, you got the insurance agent, the advisor, the attorney, but they don't freaking talk to each other. No one is bringing them in a room or just, or just saying in general that you need to be uh, understanding how all these things work together. And what we find is that that is one of the biggest missed opportunities in most of our orthopedic surgeons' life. So at the end of the day, I think that the majority of our surgeons we work with, your time, Dr. Sigmund, it's best spent on other things. It's your patients, it's your practice, it's your family, right? Now there's a cost to doing that as everything is, but we feel that you get much more value by delegating and having that one person running point. So I equate it to, I call it a financial first assist, okay? If you have a question, if you have, if something financial comes up in one of my surgeon's minds, I want the first thing to think of is I'm going to text Cameron and see what he thinks about this. Because if I don't know the answer, I'm going to tell you, but then instead of you bird dogging who that first, the, the correct person should be at the table, I do it for you. That's real value adding back into your life. And frankly, sometimes it's just, you know, surgeons are extremely smart. And quite frankly, you could do my job. You'd probably be better at my job if you had the time and the energy and the interest is a big part of it. Um, and if you're a DIYer, there's nothing wrong with that. The good thing is I don't, I don't need to work with you. Like you can do it on your own. Could I improve it? Yes, but just do whatever's best for your situation. Most busy surgeons need somebody to run point. They need someone to be the personal CFO. You just be the CEO and write the checks and sign where it needs to be signed. Yeah, no, I think that's a brilliant strategy. What I personally do as well is I like to get in the room with everybody too. You know, I've got my my CFO, but get the accountant in the room, get the financial, yes. you know, get the estate attorney in the room once a year, do a, a financial checkup, make sure everybody's talking to each other and you got the right strategies. And that's really always worked well for us as well. So you... um you wanted to lead with an example of one of your of one of your docs that yeah. sounded like you had something exciting. Why don't we go through that uh, real quick as well? Okay, so my doc is a, he's a pretty established guy, hip and knee. He, you know he's on his way out. He's got the last two years in his practice, and he's looking forward to it. He's got big plans with his grandkids. He's he's skiing like he's just got a lot of awesome things that he's looking forward to. Um, he's in a good spot too. He's got a surgery center. He's got practice shares, uh, and the way that they're set up is there's basically a three year buyout of his. Uh, his shares as he starts to retire. So being that he's practiced 20 plus years, right? He's going to pay some tax on that when it comes out. And that's okay. That just means you made money. That's not a horrible thing. The bad thing is, is timing. So if anything that goes through considering these capital gains taxes, he could be seeing 20 to 25% of that money that he's counting on completely gone. Now, his current structure at the practice is a three-year buyout. So I brought the CPA, an attorney, and the practice manager of his group to the table. And I said, our doc doesn't need this money necessarily over the next three years. What would happen if we just moved it to a five or a six-year window instead of a three-year? It's going to increase cash flow for the practice. That's going to get doc everything that he wants. But most importantly, if any of these tax codes go into effect, it's saving him a half a million dollars just in capital gains tax. The CPA is like, man, I never, I never thought of that. Like I was thinking of deductions and how can we get as much off as we can? And the attorney looked at the uh, agreement, the partnership agreement and said, Hey, 
if the practicing manager and the CFO sign off, like we're, we're good to go. So we didn't implement yet, but the point is we have the green light. So if these tax codes get passed into law, it's a phone call and we automatically have a plan in place. Otherwise, if you don't have that person quarterbacking, it would be the conversation in January and it would say, man, what a shitty situation we're in, right? Doc, How could, what can we do to try and uh, alleviate the pain? And it's too late. It's irreparable at that point, unfortunately. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's what it's all about, right? Thinking outside the box, coming up with innovative yes. strategies to be able to help out your people. So, so Cameron, we're running low on time here. Yep. Where's everybody going to find you? How do they find this, this brilliant financial advice? No, I appreciate that. So the, the easiest thing is to follow me on LinkedIn. I mean, that's where I share all my, my good content, my information. I like to interact with all my surgeons I'm, I'm friends with on LinkedIn. Uh, the other thing is check out our website. So Vestia Advisors, V-E-S-T-I-A advisors.com. Uh, there actually is a tab there for our orthopedic practice group. Uh, and the, actually the ebook I've referenced a few times, uh, you can actually download it right from there. So that's the easiest way to follow me and to get in touch. All right. Big, for, big final question here. You got to come through for me on this. All right. Is it, is it the big green egg or is it the Traeger wood chip smoker? It hurts my heart to think about cooking on a Traeger. So I am a, I am a purist. I'm going to actually go with option C. I, I shovel like pieces of wood. I'm talking logs, hickory logs into an open fire. And that is my barbecue pit, Dr. Sigmund. That is, that is how I cook the meat. All right. That's, that's my buddy, Tom Borg. You listening, Tom? That's exactly <laughs> what's going on there with some brown liquid and a big cigar. That's hey, awesome. Cameron, this is fantastic. I think it's been awesome for our listeners to get some great sound financial advice here at the Ortho Show. We gave you a little pivot here today. We're really happy to have had you on. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time.